Good morning, Emmaus. Thank you for for joining me this morning as we look through the Word of God and we worship together via the internet. As some of you guys have probably already heard, we're super excited because as of June 7th, we plan on being able to meet together. Man, and this is something that we have been praying for, super excited. Um, based on what our square footage of our building is and how we can uh, do social distancing within our worship room. Uh, We're going to be able to offer uh, three worship services, one at 8.30, one at 10, and one at 11.30. And if we need to, because you're going to need to sign up for each of those services to be able to go to it, then we will add a fourth sometime Sunday afternoon. And so we're excited about that. You're going to hear more information about that in the next coming weeks. We'll have a, an actually a, a video showing you what it's going to look like, the differences. And it, to be honest, it's going to be a little bit different, but it's going to be, it's going to be really great. And it's going to be great to worship. And um, we're also going to continue to have some live streaming during the services. At the 10 o'clock service, it's gonna be a a live stream of that. And so for for those that are choosing to stay at home for whatever reason, you feel like it's best for your kids because we won't have kids ministry the first the first part of June. Um, if you feel like you need to stay home for that, or maybe for medical reasons, or just discernment of the Holy Spirit, you feel like God is saying it's time for you to still stay at home. We will have a live feed for you. And then for, for others, we're going to meet in person, and we're going to do everything according to the guidelines in Springfield, but we're going to worship the Lord and put our focus on Him. So, we're, man, we're excited for that. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in uh, the book of Jonah, which is found in the Old Testament. And just a, just a little uh, prelude to, to who Jonah is. Jonah is a prophet. He's in the Old Testament. And his writing um, is, is a little bit different than what we see some of the other prophets. Uh, it's really more about his specific story with the Lord and um, rather than just God's judgment and what message that God has for his people. And so we're going to look at this today and dissect it. So... Um, Read with me in Jonah 1, 1 through 3. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship and bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So what we see here in the first part of Jonah is we see that the Lord comes to him and tells him, you need to go preach a message to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh, they're the enemy of God's people. They've they've wronged them. They've hurt them. uh, They've done some really uh, difficult things and some hard things to them. And um, Jonah, and we're going to find out a little bit later why he doesn't want to go to them, some really more precise reasons, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. So he runs from the Lord. And that's the first thing we want to look at this morning. We all run from God in different ways. And some of the ways that we can run from the Lord, our time schedule, our resources, our career, uh, sin. Uh, Maybe God's calling in your life like Jonah. God's calling you to do something, but it brings fear. It brings uncertainty and you run from the Lord. You know, it's kind of a, it's just a, even a crazy theology or understanding to think that you can outrun God's love or outrun God's judgment or his sovereignty in your life. Even though he gives us choice, he is sovereign. He is God. He is in all places. Um, Psalms 139, 7 through 10 speaks of this. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And so in Psalms, we're seeing just the understanding of like, God, you're always there. You're always with me. Maybe you're going through trouble right now with the situation we're in in this world, knowing that God will never leave you. You can't outrun his goodness. Well, for, for Jonah, the same things, you can't outrun God's sovereignty. You can't outrun God's purpose for your life. I look back into my own life from the different times, maybe it's choices of sin, choices of rebellion, right? And I had to come to grips with who God is from his forgiveness to his judgment, to his sovereignty, or even God's calling in my life. Early in my high school years, the Lord was calling me to ministry and I ran from that calling. I was, I was afraid on, you know, what, you know, I had so many questions. What denomination would I be a part of in the Christian faith? Uh, not because I disliked different denominations, because I found God's goodness in so many different denominations of the Christian faith. And I was like, God, which one would I be a part of? In each denomination, I found some things that I also disagreed with. I wondered, um, you know, would I, would I have to wear a tie all the time? Would I be poor my whole life? Would I, would I never have a, a home? All these questions kept me from answering the call of ministry in my life. And thank God, he, he was relentless. He, he, he was patient, but yet he was steadfast. He would not let me go. And he also brought people into my life that said, man, I believe you have a calling. I believe you're supposed to do this. And then, um, you know, over 20 years ago at Evangel University, I answered that call. And I can't say that, that God um, answered every question that I had. I mean, he hasn't. In fact, some of those questions I still don't have the answer to. But he did speak to me very clearly. You are my child. You are my son. You are my servant. Say yes, and I'll never let you go. And looking back from who I was then to how I even just looked at life and how I went about things is a complete 180 to how I do things now. And I would never change a thing. You will never regret saying yes to the Lord even if it seems impossible, even if it seems um, not like it really difficult. Jonah runs from God and he flees to Tarshish as if he can actually outrun God. We do that all the time in our lives, right? And, and there's three things I want to look at this morning that are some different ways that we run from God all the time. The first one would be his word, right? And the word of God which we have, like men and women before us have died, so you could have a Bible in your hand. And it is not just literature, it's not just words, it is powerful and effective. In fact, growing up, we had a Bible, one Bible in my home that, that I had, and I would read that and the Lord would reveal so much to me. Well, we have the Word of God to give us truth, and many times we reject that truth. In fact, Romans 1.20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. God reveals Himself clearly from the beginning of time. We have His Word revealed to us. And sometimes we just ignore it. Sometimes we just don't acknowledge it. Sometimes we do the exact opposite of what God's Word says, or we find the loophole. If you know the Word of God enough from teaching, you can make it say what you want it to say, but ultimately we all stand before God. 
Another way that we can rebel from the Lord is from His Holy Spirit. John 16, 8 says, When He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. You ever have that feeling where you know this situation is wrong? You know you shouldn't be in this place. You shouldn't eat that thing or do that thing or watch that show or, or look at that thing on the internet, whatever it would be. Or maybe times after you've sinned, you could say there was something in me prompting me to turn away. Non-believers would say that's just something in you. Believers would say that's the Holy Spirit. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, the Holy Spirit is convicting the whole world of sin. The other area that we can rebel from God or try to run away is from, and I think this is something that sometimes we overlook, but the fellowship of the believers, the body of Christ. Hebrews 10, 25 tells us this, let us not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that's one of the reasons why we're so excited that we can meet together physically. We believe there's nothing uh, that beats that. Now we've been, because the church is more than a building, we've been able to meet via the internet and, and God is using it. We believe that um, this has been a great time. God's kind of waking up the church. But I look in my life and I'm sure you can too. I am thankful for the people in my life, believers that have said, Ron, I don't believe God's called you to do that. Or like in my calling for ministry that said, Ron, I believe God's calling you to be a minister, to be a pastor. Or if the times were when I was sinned, that I, that I was checked by brothers and sisters in Christ. You need the fellowship of the believers. God does great things in the working of the body of Christ. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes people do when maybe they're questioning theology or questioning the character of God, they, go, they do those things for whatever reason outside of the body of Christ. When we're encouraged from God's Word to bring all of our questions, our sin, our joy, our junk, everything right into the light. Don't rebel against God's Word. Don't run away from the Holy Spirit. And don't run away from the fellowship of the believers. And Jonah, as a prophet, as a man of God, does just that. He gets on a boat, he flees to Tarshish, and God he goes after him. And he sends a storm. And even the non-believers in the boat, in the ship, realize this is supernatural. And they cast lots and find out who caused this. And even Jonah says, it was me. It's because I'm rebelling against God. And my God controls the heavens and the earth and the sea. He controls everything. And they take him for his word and they throw him out of the boat. And actually, Jonah, he wants this to happen. One of the things that you see that Jonah gets so frustrated with God, he gets so frustrated with his calling, that he wants to end his life. And so he's seeing that going into the water, that okay, he can just end it all. And this is our second point that we want to look at this morning, is Jonah 1.17. This is the most important part of the book of Jonah. This is what you want to see and look at from the Old Testament and from the New Testament. John 1.17, but the Lord provided a great fish 
to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Now, this is what we will teach our kids in Sunday school. Why? Because we see, and Jesus speaks of it, we see that this resembles what Jesus will do at the cross and in the tomb. And that's what I love when we look at Scripture. There's, especially in the Old Testament, you see there's a story within the story. And even in your life, what you're going through, God is doing something bigger than what you see right now. And so what I want to look right here from, from Jonah 1.17 is that Jesus is the answer for everything. In Matthew 12.40, Jesus says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So right there, in, in, right in the middle of the Old Testament, we see the gospel unfolding. Three days, three nights. This was a saying in... in uh, in, in culture of that time, in ancient culture, that was to let you know, if three days, three nights, something was really dead. Like if there, there was, Jesus would be in the tomb, there was, there was no question that he was dead, but then he rose again. And so right smack dab in the middle of Jonah's life, we see the gospel. Everywhere in the Old Testament, we see Jesus even in Genesis. So when you look at everything that we're going through even right now, in what ways is Jesus the answer? We Many times people will say, well, don't over-spiritualize something. Everything is spiritual. Everything is for God or against God. Everything. There's no neutral ground. Have you felt greater need for the people to know Jesus? As they're going through difficult things, as you're going through good and difficult things? Have you been even more thankful for the gospel? Everything points to God, yes to God or no to God. Many of you are aware of a great hero of the faith that um, changed residencies this week. Uh, uh, Pastor Ravi Zacharias uh, went to be with the Lord this week. He, he died of cancer. It was something that happened really quick. He was a, a mentor, mentor and hero of many in the faith. And even when you hear how he came to know the Lord, how everything is spiritual, his testimony is at 17, he tried to commit suicide. He was done with life. He was done with this world. He was angry at God. And so he tried to end his life and he found himself in a hospital room. And as he's recuperating, and in critical condition, some, a man came into his room with a Gideon's Bible. His mom stops this man and says, my son is in critical condition. You cannot come in here. And the man says to his mom, he needs this, what's found in this book, more than anything else. She takes the book. She gives it to her son. Ravi at 17 years old. He reads it from the beginning to the ending. And because the word of God is powerful, he finds Jesus as his Lord and Savior and spends the next 50, 60 years of his life proclaiming the good news of the gospel to every corner of the earth. Think about that. Everything is spiritual. And at this time, do you give that answer? You see someone on their, on their deathbed. You see someone in despair. Do you believe that Jesus is the answer? Our prayer is that you in this time and times moving forward, that you would believe that, that you would live that out, that repentance and salvation is the most important. 
We look for cures for cancer right now. We look for cures for COVID-19. Well, the greatest killer of the world is sin. And there's one vaccine and his name is Jesus. We've said that once, we'll say that again and again. And I love that in Jonah's life as he runs from God, right smack in the middle of his story is the gospel. So Jonah, he is spewed out from the fish once he repents, once he realized that God didn't destroy him, that he actually saved him. Uh, God has the fish spew him out and he finds himself on the shore. And he finally says, okay, fine, I'm going to go to Nineveh. And he preaches the word of God to repent. If not, in 40 days, God's going to send his judgment. And the people of Nineveh repent and they change. And we're going to start to see why Jonah, why he fled to Tarshish. And why sometimes we can struggle with the same stuff. In Jonah 4, 1 through 4, <clears throat> it says, But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the, repl the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? So what you have to understand here is that Jonah, he preaches the word and he spends some time in Nineveh and then he finds a place on a hill to watch the show. But what he's wanting to see is vengeance. He's wanting to see judgment on Nineveh. But that's not what God sends. In this whole viewing of Jonah and Nineveh and wanting to see them destroyed, God sends a tree that gives Jonah shade gives him comfort and he's very happy about this vine. And then God sends sun and he sends wind <clears throat> and it destroys this vine. And then Jonah is angry. We want to close this morning because I think with all of the disunity in America, the disunity in the world, the disunity in the church, we must remember one of the messages from Jonah. And it's this, God loves your enemy. God is good. Yes, he is sovereign and he has judgment, but he is also love. Psalms 86, 15 says this, But you, O Lord, are compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Jonah says, I knew that he would forgive them if they would repent. But in his heart, what Jonah was struggling with, he didn't want to see it. Matthew 5, 44 to 45 says this, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, and that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Here we have Jonah. He wanted to die over a plant, right? He gets more consumed about this plant than he does a whole city full of thousands of people perishing. The same thing can happen to us when we're walking in unforgiveness, when we're offended by, yes, even by God's word or his ways. Do you find yourself 
when people disagree with you, believers or unbelievers, when they see something different, they're going to wear a mask. They're not going to wear a mask. They're, they're worried about COVID-19. You're not worried about COVID-19. Or maybe they believe in God. This person doesn't believe in God. And you find yourself thinking vengeance is yours when scripture says vengeance is God. All throughout scripture, we see the people of God wrestling with this. Jonah, his value system is messed up. In our culture, we understand that, that animals are important and more important to us than plants. Are plants important? Yes, but not more important than living creatures. And humans, living beings, they're more important than animals. Do we need to take care of all those things? Yes. But Jonah, a man of God, because he gets jaded, because his heart becomes cold, cares more about a plant and people. God loves his creation and he loves most his kids that are created in his image. He is Abba Father, which means he is daddy. But just because he is love doesn't mean that he is not sovereign or that he stops being just. A just God does not turn blindly away from sin. And out of his love, he created a way to fix our sin problem to fix the biggest disease that affects you and I, which is sin. And that is Jesus. And so the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most important story that we would ever look at. C.S. Lewis says this, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Forgiveness is essential in being a Christ follower. And so as we move forward, <clears throat> the church is worried, are we being persecuted? Are our rights being taken away? And this is something that, is, that has happened before Jesus and after Jesus. And there is a time to stand up against unrighteousness, but how we do it must be filtered through the Word of God, the plan of God, and the Spirit of God. You cannot preach to, you cannot minister to those that you do not love. Do you look at people with God's lens? For he loved the unrighteous in Nineveh. We see that in Jonah 4, 10 through 11. <clears throat> it says, but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 170, or uh, excuse me, 120 thousand people who couldn't, cannot tell their right from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? And then the book ends. God leaves us with this, that he even cares about the cattle. He cares about a people that they, they're so confused and ingrained in their sin. They don't know their left from their right, and God has compassion on them. If they don't repent, he will send his judgment. But the hope of God is that all would come to know his plan of salvation. A few questions as we close today. Number one, in what ways have you been running from God? In what ways have you been telling God no? I, is it that you won't tell people about Jesus? Is it sin? Is it choices in your life? 
Is it holding on to an obsession of fear and worry or maybe judgment on people that are going to handle the situation and we're in different than how you would? In what ways have you been running from God? Number two, do you need to run to Jesus? That's what repentance is. That's what Nineveh, God wanted them to do, to repent, to turn from their ways and turn to him. Do you need to run to Jesus right now? And then the last question, like Jonah, do you need to see people the way God sees them? God's love for the unlovely, which at one time was all of us, even as believers, we are forgiving to one another because God has forgiven us. And so all throughout the New Testament, we see how we treat one another reflects what God has done to us. So be kind. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just in Christ God forgave you. Even when people are wrong, even when people are unrighteous, give them the truth. But see them through the lens of the gospel. Guys, there's so much hope. There's so much truth. We cannot wait to meet with you and worship with you physically. We look forward to that. And for those of you that are going to worship at home, we look forward to it sometime when you're ready and when, God, and when God says that it's time to do that to be with you as well. So many things to look forward to. And for the rest of your weekend and this holiday weekend, be blessed. Find the Lord. He is good and He loves you and has great plans for you. We love you guys and hope to see you soon.